Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Well, good evening everyone. Um, as you are aware, tonight we are still sitting in a Q&A with the Apostle Paul. Um, as I said last week, we uh, only have the privilege to hear the one side of this Q&A. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, we only receive the answers to the questions that the Apostle Paul had received. We saw in um, chapter 7 and verse 1, um, where it says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote. Uh, so we, we can tell that the church had sent some concerns to the Apostle Paul, and he answers these concerns in this Q&A that we're currently sitting in tonight. So last week, we looked at, uh, we, he seemed to answer the question, what about sex? Well, today, he seems to answer a different question. He answers the question, what about singleness? But specifically, he seems to answer the question, who should be single? Now, as a quick disclaimer, all right, he's going to talk about this twice, okay? So you might leave here saying, oh, but what about, but what about? I don't want to steal someone else's thunder. So I'll only go as far as the text allows, but come back for the rest of what he says about singleness. But I do want to say, though, it's worth, it's worth noting that it is a blessing that we don't have to look for answers to these important questions to the world. We don't have to use the world's philosophies. We don't have to use the world's ideologies. We can turn to the scriptures. God has answered the question of sex. He's answered the question of marriage and divorce. He's answered the question of singleness. He's answered the question of sexuality. He's answered the question of who and what we are as individuals. God has provided for us all things that we need for life and godliness. We can trust in him. Now, to introduce this, uh, this sermon for tonight, many of you know that Toby and I have a dog. We have a little dash hound called Tinkerbell. She is cute, but she's also a dog. Let me explain. There was a day when Toby and I, we were still living back in Word of Life, when Tinkerbell almost revealed the great sin that dwells in my heart. We had returned from ministry, and we were hungry. Listen, we were hungry, hungry. Fortunately, we had KFC left over from the night before, so we grabbed our pieces, we put our pieces in the microwave as we walked towards the couch, ready to satisfy the hunger from a day's ministry. We sat down and remembered, oh, I forgot the tomato sauce. Oh, when you go there, please get me a glass of water. So I put my plate on the table, I got up to go grab the tomato sauce. To my surprise, I came back and my chicken was gone. I... I was, I was a little bit mad, to be honest. So in, in, I shouted, Toby, did you take it? This is not funny. You know I'm hungry. You are as hungry as I am. And as I turned behind the couch, I see this little sausage dog sneaking away with the whole chicken thigh in her mouth. <laughs> I was broken. <laughs> see, she is a dog. She has no loyalties when we leave food unattended till today. 
She gen- she's generally a good dog, but we can't expect her to leave a delicious piece of chicken unattended. See, the truth of this passage that we're going to see is that there are those who will not be able to contain their physical desires for intimacy within them, and therefore they should not remain single. For when left unmarried, they will fall into sin. So if you haven't turned there already, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And for the context, we'll start reading from verse 1. But our focus tonight is verses 8 and 9. He says in verse 1, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Verse 3, The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Verse 6. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Here's our section for tonight, verse 8. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So God, tonight... We do pray that as we go through your word, that God, you would, you would help us to be honest with ourselves as your spirit reveals your truth to us. We pray, Lord, that you would soften our hearts to receive your word. And I also pray that we would be those who are swift to respond in obedience to your truth. So God, we do pray that God, you bless this fellowship. I pray that you bless my lips. Help me, God, to not insert my own opinion in this topic But God, may I only speak that which you've revealed in your word. And I do pray that we'd all leave here encouraged and with a better understanding of God. What what is it that you expect of us in these different seasons of our life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we ended last week's sermon with a question, what is your gift? Has God called you to singleness or has God called you to marriage? You see, the church at Corinth really believed that celibacy was morally superior position and that the truly spiritual people in the local church would not get married. So the whole congregation was being challenged as to whether it was right to get married or to stay married since singleness was such a high spiritual position. So Paul, in the next few verses, is going to address these people. He's going to give attention to the unmarried. He's going to speak to the married. He's going to speak to the divorced. And eventually, he's going to speak to the widowed. But today, we will consider the unmarried. So my first point for tonight is the unmarried and gifted. The unmarried and gifted. See verse 8. To the unmarried and the widows, I say... It is good for them to remain single as I am. So he seems to be addressing the unmarried and the widows. 
So the question that we must ask is, who are these unmarried that the Apostle Paul is talking about? He says that they should remain as he is. How is he? What type of singleness does the Apostle Paul find himself in? We concluded last week that Paul seems to have been married before, and it is most likely that he was a widower. Others suggest that it is also probable or possible that his wife had divorced him when he had become a Christian. So then, which people is he speaking to? Who are the singles that the Apostle Paul is referring to? Those who haven't been married or those who've been divorced before Christianity or those who are widows? Well, the term unmarried is the Greek word agamos. This word is broad. It covers everyone who is unmarried. Again, some argue that Paul is referring to those who were divorced before they came to the faith in Christ and now are wondering if should we remain single or should we go on and remarry? They were not widows, as we see Paul addresses widows specifically, and they also were not virgins because he's not referring to the virgins. So from this passage... What do I believe that, who do I believe the Apostle Paul is talking to? Well, I believe that the Apostle Paul in this passage is using this term to cover everyone who is not bound to marital ties. Paul is speaking to the virgins or otherwise known as the singles. He is speaking to those who were divorced before coming into the faith. He's speaking to the widows. He says to these groups of people, it is good for you to remain single. Now that word remain, that word remain is synonymous with the words abide, with the word continue, with the word endure, with that word to stay. It is that word meno in Greek. It is simply means to remain in the same place, same position over a period of time. It means to take up re residence or to, t to make yourself at home. So putting these together, what is the Apostle Paul saying? He's saying that all who fall into this category of unmarried, which is everyone who is not tied to marital ties, he says that they should abide or take permanent residence in singleness. Why? We have to look at verse 32 for that. So whoever's going to be preaching that, I'm sorry. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. He says the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. Verse 33. The married man is anxious about the worldly things and how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried man or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things. How to please her husband. Now as, I, as I've already alluded to, we'll focus on this passage in a few sermons to come. But the point here is that singleness has great benefits. The great benefits of singleness is living a sold-out life for Christ whilst the married are concerned about the things of this world. Now to pause for a quick second. If you find yourself in this category of singleness, is there evidence that you are using your singleness well? Here it seems clear that the Apostle Paul says you are, in a, you are in prime position to just focus on the things of the Lord. In fact, he uses that word. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, constantly asking yourself the question, how can I please God? 
for the married are concerned about the things of this world. Now, it must be said that he's not saying that the married are worldly, but they have responsibilities that restrain their time to devotion versus that of an unmarried or single person. So to close this point, he says the gifted unmarried man that Paul is referring to is the man or woman who is content in their singleness. There's no sense of unsatisfaction with their current state. There are those whom God has, by the power of the Spirit, given them a great sense of self-control when it comes to the desire for sex and marriage. And those desires for sex and marriage are not great consuming desires, but the great consuming desires of this person's life is the Lord and His ministry. But what about the other category of the unmarried? Well, the other category in verse 9 is the unmarried and burning. The unmarried and burning. He says in verse 9, But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Out of the gates, I don't want us to miss this. Notice that the Apostle Paul has his heart set on the holiness of the people. He has his heart set on the purity of the people. He desires that all men keep themselves pure in the Lord. So whether you are single or whether you are married, both are for your purity and single-minded devotion to God. But Paul is also saying, and I want us to listen carefully, Paul, as he's thinking about your holiness, as he's thinking about your sanctification, he's saying don't live in a false sense of holiness. That singleness is your calling whilst you know that you are burning within you for marriage and sex. Paul is saying in this passage that the dissatisfaction of singleness and celibacy will be consuming for some so they should marry. But at the same time, I believe we need to hold intention that if someone has a problem with lust, if someone is struggling with sexual immorality, they should not think that getting married in and of itself will solve all your sinful problems. Many Christian men have been grieved to find out that they lust for other women and their addiction to pornography did not magically go away when they got married. This can also be said about some Christian women. Many are still dissatisfied with their, with their spouses in marriage and find themselves looking for other outlets to satisfy their sinful urges. So it must be clear, marriage is a way. Marriage is a way of dealing with sexual sin. For remember what the Apostle Paul said last week when he taught that God has designed sexual relations in marriage as a way to weaken our sinful impulses toward adultery. Remember when he said in verse 5, after you've prayed and you have taken that limited break, get together quickly or Satan's going to tempt you. So marriage is about both glorifying God in the image of Christ's relationship with the church, and it is also an outlet of sexual intimacy for pleasure and procreation. 
There are those in the church who have not been gifted with self-control against the desire of marriage and sex. And that's why Christ said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 19, verse 10, I have it on the board. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, is it better not to marry? But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. Verse 12, for there are eunuchs who have been made so from birth, and there are, there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Now remember, marriage is a way, but I also want to stress that marriage is not the way of dealing with lust. Friends, all sin must be taken to the cross. They must be mortified by the power of the Spirit and faithfulness to the scriptures you must have the word of God hidden in your heart that you may not sin against him you must put off the deeds of the flesh and walk in the spirit we are made holy by nothing but God and his word if you're not faithful to God and his word if you're not walking by the spirit you will walk into a marriage with the very same problems John Piper says, burn with passion. It doesn't have to mean that marriage becomes a mere channel for sex drive. Paul would never mean that in view of Ephesians chapter 5. Instead, when a person marries, let me simply use the man as an example. He takes his sexual desire and he does the same thing with it that we must do with all our physical desires if we would make them means of worship. Number one, he brings it into conformity to God's word. Number two, he subordinates it to a higher pattern of love and care. Number three, he transposes the music of physical pleasure into the music of spiritual worship. Number four, he listens for the echoes of God's goodness in every nerve. Number five, he seeks to double his pleasure by making her joy his joy. Number six, he gives thanks to God from the bottom of his heart because he knows, that he he knows and he feels that he never deserved one minute of this pleasure. So then, what does the Apostle Paul then mean when he says, burn with passion? Well, simply it means to set a fire, to set on fire. It means the match has been lit. It means the fires of sexual desire are already raging within. So let me be candid. If you desire continually to be married or to be physically intimate with someone of the opposite sex, it probably means that you do not have the gift of singleness. John Calvin in his commentary suggests that feeling the heat, if you like, is common to man and is to be dealt with, with, dealt with vigorously in the power of the Spirit. However, burning with passion, says Calvin, is being so aflame with passion that you cannot stand against it. It is, in the words of another, to be so consumed with inward desire that scarcely anything else either matters or can be coolly considered. That's what it means. It means that the whole fixation of life is driven towards that eventuality. 
clearly that is to be set on fire with a passionate desire. So what is the Apostle Paul saying? Paul, in verses 8 and 9, he says, singleness is good. But if you begin to burn with passion, then it is time to seek God's guidance in finding a spouse. You should be praying that God, by his will, will provide for you a spouse. So number one, those who are widowed and still desire intimacy and marriage, he says, hey, you guys can remarry. Number two, this also means, ladies and gents at Central Baptist Church, that there will be coffees that lead to marriages from people in this room. (laughs) Because not everyone here is called to singleness. It means that there will be godly men and women who pursue marriage because they are certain that God has not gifted them with singleness and are convinced that they are ready for marriage. Now, yes, there are nuances that we must talk about that are already running in your head. But church, we need to grow in a culture where we understand that God has gifted us differently. Where we understand that brothers will pursue their sisters in Christ. We need to grow in a culture where sisters learn to graciously be pursued or graciously reject the brother. We need to learn, we need We all need to grow in moving on from rejection, both the rejected and the rejecter. But that's a sermon for another day. Let's close. I hope it's clear that if you are single, you are not more holy than those who are married. The the same is true of the married. If you are married, you are not more holier than the singles. You have just been gifted differently. Apostle Paul is saying in this passage, it is normal to get married and it is good to remain single for the benefits of singleness are a single-hearted devotion to God. The point is that each will have their own gift. Each must be obedient to follow their gift For the sake of their sanctification. I hope you notice that Apostle Paul is is, is not in this passage talking about singleness or marriage just for the sake of the pleasure of singleness or the pleasure of marriage. It's for the sake of your sanctification. Remember the words of Jesus. If there be any who can receive the same. A commentator by the name of Paul says about those words from Jesus. If there be any who can receive this saying, if you can without marriage, brittle your lust, so live in a single state as not to sin against God by any extravagancy of lusts and impure desires and affections, and desire and shall do so that he may be more spiritual and serve God with less distraction and be a more fit instrument to promote the kingdom of God in the world, let him do it. But the truth is, not everyone will be able to. So practically, because we are a community of people who are pursuing the likeness of Christ, Central Baptist Church, Pretoria, There will be CVs that will be sent out in our community. Guys will be asking girls out. The friend zone will be escaped. We heard this morning that some are vibing, others are dating. 
Others are within boyfriend and girlfriend. Others are engaged. Others are married. The reality is there will be those who will be pursuing marriage because they understand how they have been gifted. There are men in our midst who are ready for marriage. There are beautiful, godly ladies in our midst who would make great wives. In obedience to God, there will be people who are asked out. But the truth is, at the same time, there will be those who in the flesh get this process wrong. Either there will be those who are looking for serial dating, or there will be just shallow Christians who are not looking for marriage in dating. But friends, the latter, the latter should not be the brush by which we paint everyone who is pursuing marriage as they understand God has called it to be. So if singleness is a gift, if marriage is a gift, then surely there must be a giver. We understand from the Apostle Paul that the giver of this gift is the great God himself. The sovereign God who works all things out providentially to fulfill his will. And he says he works all things out for our good and, no, for, yes, for our good and for his glory. So if God can faithfully give some the gift to endure the desire for sex, if he can give some the, the ability to endure the desire for marriage, then surely those who don't have this desire, those who, sorry, surely those who desire marriage and surely those who are longing for a spouse, surely we can trust that God will provide for them as well. So God provides strength to endure, endure temptation to sexual sin, and God will also provide spouses in accordance to his will. As we close this sermon, I want to encourage you to trust in him. Trust in him. Trust in his timing, for his timing is good. Trust in his will, for he knows what you need when you need it. So if you're saying you're burning and you want to get married tomorrow, but all the girls are saying no, <laughs> trust in God. God, God knows. And, and, and I also want to add before I close that you burning and not finding a spouse tomorrow does not mean that the Spirit of God will not help you endure that temptation. So don't fall into sin and excuse it that you haven't found a spouse. Now next week, God will, uh, God, Paul will go on to address the married. Now again, I want to say I could have said a lot more about the singles, a lot more about the unmarried, a lot more about the widows. But he goes on to address them later in this chapter. So stay tuned in to the series. Keep coming back so that you can know what the Apostle Paul says about your current season of life. Let's pray together. <clears throat> so God, tonight I do want to, I want to specifically pray, Lord, for the unmarried in our midst. God, firstly, I want to pray for those who are single, who have never been married before. God, I pray for them that, God, you would help them to wait on you. God, may they rest in you, may they trust in your timing, and may they trust in your will. I pray, Father, that you may protect them from their own hearts. God, if, if they are saying that the fire is raging within their soul, God, help them to know that one of the gifts of the Spirit is self-control. But God, also, Lord, encourage them that, God, in your will and in your timing, when the time is right, you will provide a spouse. 
But God, I also do pray that as they go about this process, that, Father, they, they will keep within the boundaries that we have in the Scriptures. Lord, help them to seek for godly men and godly women who are pursuing after you, who are growing in the knowledge of you, so that, God, they're not led astray by their passions and by their desires. God, we pray for those whom are unmarried, whom you have gifted, Lord, with that gift of celibacy. Oh, God, we pray that we would see them serve you greatly. We pray, God, that we would see them be sold out for the cause of Christ. God, this is not a gift for us to be able to afford soul locations and all those things of the world. But it's a gift that you have given us, Lord, so that we can purposefully live our lives sold out for you. So God, even before we get to verse 32, I pray that you prepare our hearts for that message. That God, when you challenge us as, as those who are in here, as the unmarried, that Father, they'll already be reflecting and asking themselves a question. How are they using that season of their life? God, I do pray for the widowed who are here among us. Oh God, I pray for comfort. I pray, God, that they would experience your hand. That, God, they would trust your sovereignty. I pray, Father, that you would comfort them in a special way. And I do pray that even the pain that, that, that lays heavy on their hearts, that, God, by your spirit and by the love of Christ, won't you lift it? Carry their burdens, Lord. Give them strength to endure. And, God, even as, Lord, some may even be questioning, Lord, their, their purpose of life without their spouse, Lord, remind them that, God, as they remain here on this earth, God, you still have a clear purpose for them. You desire to use them for your glory. Your spirit is still very much at work in their hearts. So help us as a church, God, to, to better care for the widows who are among us. And God, for those widows who are ready to, Lord, even be looking for a new relationship, looking to get married again, God, I pray for that process. I pray for everything involved, Lord. There may be kids. There may be, Lord, a lot of other people, Lord, who get involved in that. I do pray, Father, that you bring about great wisdom. I pray, Father, that, Lord, it will be clear that this is the will of God for their lives. And, Lord, may it be also more evident in how you just allow it to unfold for your glory and for your glory alone. So, God, we, we thank you. We thank you, God, that there are those who are among us who are married. Whom, God, you have given them this great gift of marriage, Lord. And I do pray that even in, in the marriages, that, Father, you would remain honored, you would remain lifted up, and God, that marriage would be served to live for you. So God, thank you for this passage. Thank you, God, that we can find so many practical things in your word that address the questions of the day. And we pray as, as this, this series continues to unfold, teach us the marvelous mysteries of your word, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.